Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And it's a beautiful day. We're glad you're with us. I'd like to ask you to take a moment to fill in the red ritual of friendship pad so we'll know you're with us today. At this time, I would like to invite Karen Ingram to come up for a moment. Hey, you're still sitting over there, Karen. And uh, to share with us on our mission moment this morning. Thank you, Karen. And good morning. Good morning. It's nice to see some familiar faces. Um, we do a lot of joint things with you. I'm a member of New Hope Lutheran. And for some of you, I've seen you at different activities around town. Um, I'm on the board of MANA and have been for too many years to recall. And I'm here this morning to, for a couple of things. One, to say thank you so much for your partnership in our ministry to feed the hungry here in the Canal Valley. It's amazing that the need has not diminished. Uh, the economy is rebounding, and that's a good thing, but we still have way too many people who don't earn enough money. So your gift of food, your time when you volunteer at MANA to distribute the food makes such a difference here in the Canal Valley. I'm also here to say thank you uh, for your holiday gifts. Uh, it's not too, summer's over, holidays are coming. And last year we gave out over 500 baskets at Thanksgiving. And uh, we're starting to take names of clients who would like it. We're starting to take, um, get the word out. So if you would like to donate a food basket, it's a turkey and all the fixings. And some of our baskets get modified a bit because we found that maybe masa is better for some of our communities. They'd rather make tamales. And so we do have beans and things instead of some mashed potatoes. So thank you for thinking ahead to the holidays and how you can uh, help others have a nice uh, holiday season. But the really exciting news is that we have a new home. We haven't moved yet, and it'll probably, in all honesty, be over a year before we get to move. But MANA has closed escrow on what is currently the Shepherd's House. It is a church at 95 Oakview, right off of Thousand Oaks Boulevard by Pet Boys. And I was told I should be sure to say there are 20 parking spaces. <laughs> Somebody got really excited after the second service when uh, they asked me. Um, so we have great parking. Uh, the space is about four times as large as the footage that we have at the current house. How many of you have been to the Mana House? Quite a few. You know, it's really tiny, and it's amazing the number of people that get processed through that. At our new home, we will be able to expand our hours. We'll be able to have a better food flow. We'll be able to better meet the needs of the community. We're excited because we're also gonna have a space that can accommodate a classroom or a meeting room size facility. And we're thinking ahead and, and trying to figure out what kind of nutrition classes or English classes or other kinds of classes that we can offer there for our clients to help them better their lives. So. We are looking, um, and we'll be starting an official capital campaign. We need to raise $2.5 million. Um, if you can write that check out yourself, please see me at the church. Um, but if not, if you know somebody um, who has means and would like to help alleviate hunger here in the Canal, if you're able to do something, all gifts, all sizes are going to be welcome because, as you know, when we pool our resources, we can do so much more. And we look forward to working with you um, in our new space as we prepare our new space. If you belong to a committee, if you have a committee here at church or you belong to Rotary or somebody, 
we're hosting meetings and tours right now so that people can see the space and capture the vision and help us move forward. So again, thank you uh, for your partnership in this ministry, and we look forward to working with you into the future. Thank you very much, Karen. Also in the um, uh, pews, you'll find uh, mission envelopes. If you'd like to make a uh, donation to the uh, Ministry of Manor, you can use one of those. May we stand as we join in our hymn of celebration number 451, Be Thou My Vision.
As we come to our time of prayer, I would invite you to turn uh, to our prayer hymn, which is number 189, Ferris, Lord Jesus. Eternal God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to the foot of the throne of your grace. Remembering, O Lord, your many mercies to us, the love that always surrounds us, the strength that always uplifts us, the light that always goes before us, and the peace that is always with us. And this morning, today, as we remember those with joys and concerns, we ask, O oh Lord, your blessing to be with those who have lost loved ones, for those who continue in the struggle of health, for those who find themselves in the 
midst of the issues and the problems of life. We ask, O oh Lord, your strength to guide and your blessing to give them the peace that passes the understanding of the world. For those, O oh Lord, who have expressed their joys of engagements and of blessings of service and ministry, we give you thanks as we ask you to guide them in days to come. And Lord, in the midst of our worship service today, we recognize the many opportunities that we have to serve in the church. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, that each one of us has gifts to share, that you have given each of us a position to be stewards of that which you have entrusted with us that we might faithfully partner with you in the ministry of the church. And so, Lord, this morning as we take these next moments of simple silence, might we just take time to just sit in your presence, to acknowledge, O oh God, that you are the Lord and we, your people. And might we feel, O oh Lord, in this time, power of the presence of Jesus Christ. Once more, O oh God, today may we understand that even a moment of time, having blessed by eternity, becomes a blessing. Bless this moment of silence to our hearts that we might find in this week, moments of continued silence that will bless us, because we know you always go with us. And this we pray in your name, even in the name of Jesus Christ, who has taught us that we may pray even as we say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
May the ushers come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings. We ask that you will bless these, our gifts, and we be faithful to use them for your ministry. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. Clean heart, our God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from Genesis, chapter 28, verses 18 through 22. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give you one-tenth to you. This is God's word for God's people. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for the reading of your word that continues to touch hearts and lives. May we have ears to hear, a willingness to receive that our lives might be in response. We give you thanks that we join together today in your presence. Meet us here, we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, we began our stewardship series on the Give Me series. You know, Gary shared our first sermon, Give Me an S. So just for fun, give me an S. Yes. Today, we do our second letter. Give me a T. T. <laughs> if you look behind me, uh, up on the wall, you'll see S-T. Originally, when, every time I see it, I thought of street. <laughs> But you'll see the letters come. Who said it? Someone just said the saint. That's right. I didn't. I didn't see that. I think it's. <laughs> it's it's subliminal messaging. <laughs> the power of positive. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the saint. It was. Uh, although I'll get into it later. Today I get the opportunity uh, to to preach on on give me a T, and the T is to remind us of our call to tithe as a faithful part of stewardship. I was kind of joking around at the last couple services. You know, I used to be that dreaded telemarketer. Um, so I, I was pretty good at it. I enjoyed being a telemarketer, but I was a dreaded telemarketer. And, and my telemarketing job was to call families and to essentially sell a $4,000 tool over the phone. I know, I know. But don't, I was bad at it. I was, I was an awful salesman. But I was a really good telemarketer. So my boss realized this. The owner of the company realized it. So he would have me call families, and I would talk for hours on end to people all over the country and have great conversations. I met one family in Louisiana. I talked to the husband, the wife, and the two kids. Like, I just enjoy talking to people. But um, my boss said, we're going we're gonna to try something different. Brian, you call. You start the conversation. And then when you are, are ready, say, is it okay if I, my colleague calls you back? <laughs> so I would. I would say, hey, can my coworker call you back? And then they would try and close the deal because I never could. So it's kind of funny that I'm, I'm asked to, to speak on tithing today. But that being said, just out of curiosity, how many of you are only children? Quite a few of you. It's getting more and more with each service. Just, as an only child, was it a blessing? Was it, was it fun to be an only child? No. No? 
<laughs> Someone said at the 8 o'clock service, it's all you've ever known. So, The reason why I ask is I've always wondered what it's like to be an only child. You know, I'm the youngest of four. And now we know... If, you know, for anybody who's got siblings, you know that the youngest is always the best. We, you know, we are those saints. <laughs> the oldest child is the one who always breaks all the rules because you're learning what the rules are as you go along. And the middle child is just forgotten. <laughs> but <laughs> Gary's a middle child. <laughs> but <laughs> That's right. That's why the middle children do the things they do. You see, the joy, the joy of, of being the youngest, though, or the joy of what I always thought of being an only child is you never had to share anything. You know, everything was yours. Your parents' time, you know, all the food, all of the entertainment, like everything was yours. And you didn't have to worry about anything. When you're, you know, a sibling, when you have siblings, I don't know about any of you, but I remember always getting those hand-me-downs. You know, the jeans that have like 17 patches in the same place, especially having two older brothers. You know, it was always these hand-me-downs or always something shared with your siblings. And maybe if you've had siblings, you can relate. Some of my favorite memories growing up, we would go um, back to school shopping. And we'd go to like Staples or whatever, or Office Max, and we would buy those big old big container of pens and you'd buy the pencils. And sure enough, we'd get home and we'd put them on the table and my mom would divvy up, making sure we all had the exact same amount for that school year. Or then there was a, you know, my mom was a great baker. So she'd make like brownies and cakes and whatever. And I was always looking forward to it. You know, as the youngest, you try and finagle your way to get the biggest piece and you'd be like, woo! So I'd sit down at the table about to have my biggest piece and sure enough, my mom would be there divvying up into perfect portions that we could all have the exact same amount of cake. Or Easter egg hunts. And Halloween were always my favorite. You know, for, for Easter, my mom would put Easter eggs all over the floor, and the four of us would line up, and we would run in as, much, as fast as you could and just, like, you know, scoop up the armfuls of, of jelly beans. Or at, at uh, Halloween, taking those big old sacks, and you would throw as much candy as you can, and you'd come home, and you couldn't carry the bag. You'd be like, see how much I got? Well, I learned at a pretty young age it didn't matter, really. Because sure enough, there was my, there were my parents put everything on the table. You know, my dad would get the first dibs. He would take whatever he wanted, and then the kids would. would... If anybody has candy, I think I'm hungry. Um, you know, sure enough, my mom would divvy it up again, and we would all have the exact same amount at the end of the day. You know, looking back on it, I think sharing is probably not as bad as I remember it. But I think it also boiled down to, did we all get our fair share? You know, did we get what was ours? And inevitably, without doubt, there was always an argument to be had. You know, the, maybe you've seen these or heard these with yourself or your kids. Mom, Dad, it's not fair. You know, so-and-so got a bigger piece than me. He took more than I did. And you always have, inevitably, those arguments about, about uh, the size of the portion that you get. Though tithing isn't equally sharing with God or giving God an equal amount to what we keep for ourselves. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when it comes to tithing that our response to God is similar to our response to this idea of sharing? You see, with sharing, we want what's fair and we don't want to be cheated. With tithing, we want to give what we believe is fair, not always taking into account whether what we give or what we don't give cheats God out of worship or cheats God out of the acknowledgement of the things that God has blessed us with. It's kind of those age-old debates. Are we supposed to tithe pre-tax or post-tax? 
Is tithing a one a one time commitment or is it something that's ongoing? Is tithing really a commandment or is it really just a good suggestion? But no, God doesn't want an equal share in our giving. God doesn't want that. Here's one for God, one for me, one for God, two for me, so on and so forth. God wants what's best from our first giving. It's kind of like being a full-time dad and, and being a full-time pastor. And maybe you've experienced this. When you come home, you know, at least in my life, when I get home at night after a meeting, all I want to do, or if I'm able to get home in the afternoon, all I want to do is sit down on the couch for 10 minutes, turn on the TV and veg out, not think about anything. But the moment I open my door, it's awesome. My kids run up and they yell, Daddy, and they throw their arms around me. And it's the greatest moment. And it's that internal struggle, that internal dilemma. Do I give my kids what I have at that moment, or do I take 10 minutes in order to give them my best for a longer period of time? And I think sometimes with God, we, we kind of have that mindset. Do we give God what's left over, or do we give God what God deserves our best? And I love this passage in Genesis where we hear Jacob and, and his struggles. You see, right before this passage, Jacob is wrestling with God. He's about to see, see his brother Esau, whom he has not seen in 14 years. And he's, going to, he's preparing to see Esau, who he hasn't seen in 14 years. And he's sleeping out, and he gets ready to, um, or he, he has that pillow under his head. And all of a sudden, he makes this vow with God saying, if... You do these things if you keep, uh, if you are with me, if you keep me, if you provide for me in order to experience peace. Then, God, and only then will I give to you the portions of which you gave to me. You see, he experienced God in his presence. And even still here, he's trying to make a vow with God, make a deal with God about what was right. You know, God, if you do these things, then I am going to do this back. Now, in his credit, he did desire to give to God, but we know tithing isn't a bartering system. It's acknowledging all that God has given to us and then giving back to those things that which God has first given to us. You know, tithing is more than money. Tithing is everything. It's about giving the best of everything because God has given it first. Originally, tithing was required by the Israelites. Based on Abraham's giving to Melchizedek back in Genesis, when Abraham came back, he gave the best of everything that he had captured back to the Lord. At the time of Jesus, tithing had become almost like a tax of sorts. It had become a burden for people because they had to give above and beyond that which they could bear. But as the church grew and as Christianity spread, the understanding of tithing changed too. You see, tithing became not so much about giving 10%, it became about consecration. A giving, a total dedication to a special purpose for a special goal. Consecration literally means association with the sacred. And it involved a complete surrender, total, unconditional, irreversible surrender. To tithe meant that we consecrated ourselves and everything that we are before God, we became, or it became about giving oneself as well as one's possessions to God in order that God could use people for his purposes, that God could do something greater through the person. It now means 
to tithe is giving our time, our talent, our energy, our money, our resources, our lives, everything that we are, everything that we own back to God. I'm learning that tithing is actually a form of worship. It's an act of worship because through our tithes, we give praise and thanks and acknowledgement to God for all the things that God has given to, uh, to us first. And if we're honest with ourselves, there's some real challenges that we have to overcome when it comes to tithing. There's some real challenges that, we, we pre that are presented to us. For example, we might want to give to God, but sometimes we can make excuses. You know, God, I'll give you a little bit more on the next pay cycle, on the next time around. Or God, I don't have enough time right now to get involved in other things, so maybe a little bit later I'll get involved. Maybe we don't tithe because we can't see the value of it. Isn't tithing just a pastor's way of, a creative way of asking for more money? Isn't tithing just a way to guilt you into volunteering a little bit more? Maybe you see tithing as a requirement rather than as an opportunity to worship. However, to give God what's best in our tithes becomes an act of worship because we turn the focus to God and take the focus away from ourselves. As a result, when we view tithing as a form of worship, as a form of giving back to God, we, I believe, can be changed through it because we meet God there and God meets us there and says, I'm going to do something great. And I love throughout the New Testament, it too changes our view of tithing. It's no longer about a percentage point or percentage of what we're to give, but rather it tells us to give generously of our things, of our time, of us. It's a desire to generously give that others will be blessed and that God will be glorified through that which we give. You see, the focus isn't about us with tithing. It's about what God can do through us on account of our tithing. And when I think of the issue of tithing, and when I think about the call to tithe as faithful stewards within the church, I'm reminded of a beautiful story about this little girl, Jenny, and her desire for a pearl necklace. Jenny was a girl about to turn five years old as she was standing in a checkout line with her mom. And lo and behold, there she stood at the checkout line when she saw a circle of glimmering pearls. With her bright blue eyes, she said, Mommy, can I have it? The mom reached down, picked up that pink foil jewelry box, said $1.95. Jenny, it's almost $2.00. If you really want it, I'll think of some extra chores that you can do. And in no time, you can save enough money to buy them for yourself. In fact, your birthday's only a week away, and Grandma always gives you that nice, new, crisp dollar. As soon as they got home, Jenny cracked open her piggy bank, laid her money on her bed, and there, there before her lay a whopping 17 cents. After dinner, she did her fair share of chores, even more so than usual. She even went to ask the neighbors if she could pick their dandelions for 10 cents. On her birthday, Grandma sure did give her that crispy new dollar. Just enough to buy that necklace. Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up. She wore them everywhere. Kindergarten, Sunday school, anytime she was out, even to bed. The only time she couldn't, take, the only time she couldn't wear them was in the shower or the swimming pool. Because her mom told her those pearls would turn her neck green. <laughs> Jenny's father loved her very much and every night he would go up to her room and he would read to her a story and kiss her on the cheek and say goodnight 
One day after he read a story, he looked at his daughter and said, Jenny, do you love me? Daddy, you know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Daddy, not my pearls. I'll give to you my pony. You know, my favorite one, princess, the one that you gave to me. I'll give you that instead. It's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night, he said as he kissed her on the cheek and walked out. About a week later, the same happened. Do you love me? You know that I love you, Daddy. Then give me your pearls. Daddy, not my pearls. How about my new baby doll that I got for my birthday? She's beautiful. You can have her. It's okay. Sleep well. Daddy loves you. As he gave her a kiss on the cheek and walked out. A few nights later, when her daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed. As he came close, he noticed that her chin was quivering and a single tear was running down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's wrong? Jenny didn't say anything. She just held out her hand and opened up her palm. And there in her hand was her pearl necklace. As she handed it to her dad, she said, here, Daddy, it's for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's daddy reached out and took the pearls in his hand. And he reached into a pocket and pulled out a blue velvet bag with a strand of genuine pearls in it. He handed that bag to his daughter. He had them all the time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime source stuff so he could give her a genuine treasure. You see, I believe that this is like tithing, that God gives us great things, and God calls for us to give our best and what we know our best to be, because God's gonna give something even greater still. You see, the joy I believe in being a Christian and the call to stewardship is just that, to give all that we are to God, that God can do amazing things beyond our imagination, to let go of a dime store pearl that we can receive a pearl beyond measure, a pearl without price. To me, that's the gift. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that you do ask of us and call for us to give and to give generously. God, I pray that today we might hear your call to continue to serve, continue to be involved, continue to give of the resources that we have. We thank you for this gift, for we know that through these you are glorified and your ministry continues. May we give you thanks and praise at all times and in all ways through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand as we join in our hymn of dedication 421, Make Me a Captive, Lord.
to take the hands of those standing near you as we receive our choral benediction. God's peace, love, and grace surround you. May you continue to go forth to love and to serve and to share that grace with all you meet. Go now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Amen.